I'm Brian Scordato, and this is the Idea to Start a Podcast brought to you by Tacklebox. We accelerate ideas into real companies through the Tacklebox membership, and we think through startup strategy every Wednesday on the Idea to Start Up Podcast. You're here because you're thinking about an idea, or you're ready to launch something, or you already launched something and you're running full steam ahead. We're here to help with the counterintuitive stuff. On to it. Today, we'll start with the only Thanksgiving-related startup idea I have ever been pitched. And then we'll figure out what your first product needs to be, the thing that'll actually convert customers and get them to pay and solve their problems and help you build momentum. This might seem like it should be varied. If you're building a meat thermometer versus a new email service for freelancers versus an e-bike for suburban folks that has a storage compartment for groceries, the way you think about your first product should be different, right? Well, after helping 450 or 500 startups or whatever number we're up to now, I can pretty confidently say the answer is, nah, the first product looks the same, or at least rhymes, because all successful initial products do one very hard thing. They productize their customer's first step. We'll get to that today, but first, that Thanksgiving story. The email hit my inbox at 3.26 a.m. last year, technically the day after Thanksgiving, but I'd bet dollars to donuts the person writing it hadn't slept yet. The subject said, time-sensitive startup idea, with three exclamation points, and the first sentence read, quote, I have an idea and it simply cannot wait until morning. I think it's right for Tacklebox and I think it's going to change my life, dot, 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 and yours. Man, I love a good 3 a.m. idea email. By the way, I asked the person who wrote this email if I could share it, and they were more than happy to let me. They aren't working on the idea anymore and would love for someone else to pick it up and run with it. After the intro, the email transitioned into a pitch. Quote, my idea is called the family operating system. Today, Thanksgiving in parentheses, was a disaster. We had my family and my in-laws over, and there were some cousins there as well. In the end, 16 people were at the dinner table. First, everyone got their wires crossed on what to bring. We ended up with three sets of mashed potatoes and no gravy. Do you have any idea how bad turkey is without gravy? For dessert, we had two apple pies and a million store-bought cookies, but no pumpkin pie or pecan pie, which are my kids' absolute favorites. We didn't make them because my cousin said he would, but then they were in a rush and they just picked up store-bought cookies on the way. Then, during dinner, the conversation immediately went to politics. Everyone knows people in the family have different politics, and that bringing it up was probably the only thing that would ruin the dinner. And it did. Shouting, name-calling, and half of my in-laws ended up leaving before dessert. There were a few line breaks, and then in all caps, DISASTER, with that orange mad face emoji. So, the email went on, I had an idea. The Thanksgiving Survival Guide. A simple document that could be easily shared that made sure everyone knew what everyone else was bringing, when they'd arrive, and where they were staying. There could be topics to avoid and activities to do and a space for everyone to write what they were most excited about so nothing slipped through the cracks. From a business perspective, we could have recipes and games and other suggested items that could make us affiliate revenue. The Thanksgiving Survival Guide would make things 100 times better. I'm a product manager by day, the email continued, and this sort of document is table stakes for a product release or even an important meeting. But outside of work, we never use the stuff we rely on inside of work, and I don't know why. So around midnight, I started drafting out the Thanksgiving survival guide on Canva, and then it hit me. Another dramatic four or five line breaks. This idea was way bigger than I first thought. 
Families are businesses, right? A team of people trying to reach a common goal to build a product to their family that works. The KPIs are things like the kids' homework and grades and sports and the parents' jobs and relationship. Yet no one manages this like a business with metrics that can be improved and goals you're looking to reach. It's all just haphazard. We run around like chickens with our heads cut off, and then we get mad when the family doesn't operate the way we want it to. We would never expect a business to just work, so why do we expect a family to? Families need an operating system. And that is what I'm going to build. An operating system for a family. A SaaS product that makes a family's trains run on time. Kids will get into great colleges, parents will have strong relationships, and I will have a recurring revenue software tool. That is why I couldn't wait until morning. I'm going to fix families. And with that, the email ended. No name or sign off. What flourish. What pageantry. I was kind of sold. What do you think? A family operating system? It's maybe not a terrible idea. Maybe. But where do you start? Today, we'll talk about productizing the first step and how it'll make your unmanageable startup idea manageable. And we'll do it after an offer, which will tell you over a little smooth jazz. Hey, we've got a few slots opening up for Tacklebox where we help people turn ideas into startups as a few of our founders have now outgrown the core program as their businesses have scaled a bit. So if you've got an idea you've been sitting on and you want to turn it into a startup, let's do it. And to sweeten it a bit more and maybe kick you in the butt a bit, if you apply in the next two weeks and get accepted, you'll get 50% off your first month. Just head to gettacklebox.com and apply with what you're working on and put code HOLIDAY in the application when it asks for a referral code. We've probably got room for three or four more startups, so if you're interested, get on it. Back to it. Productize the first step. We'll get back to the family operating system shortly. But first, I want to talk about going from an idea that you've got that you think people want to an actual product. It's a jump that most entrepreneurs never actually get to. It's hard, but most founders make it about 100 times harder on themselves by not doing it in a smart way. And if you're looking for the VC or angel lifeline, that's going to be a pretty tough needle to thread pre-product over the next 12 to 18 months or longer. VCs do have a ton of dry powder. There's a report that says venture funds are currently sitting on something like $290 billion of capital they're waiting to deploy, but it's unlikely much of that is going to go to people who are pre-product, which is a bunch of people who listen to this podcast. VCs will always be incentivized to see who makes it through the early gauntlet of idea stage mistakes before investing. They're always just going to be incentivized to wait. We can't. The more realistic way most businesses get their first product is through savings from the entrepreneur, bootstrapping, or someone they know kicking in five, ten, fifteen, twenty-five, or a hundred thousand dollars, friends and family funding. But anecdotally, the friends and family type of startup capital is drying up too, and for lots of founders, this was never an option in the first place. Your highest likelihood path is building a business that can make money immediately, allowing you to transition from one thing that makes you money, your job, to another thing that makes you money, your startup, with little or no gap. The way to do that is to solve a problem so painful and urgent people will pay you for it immediately, no matter what state your business is in. The bleeding neck problems we've been talking about. Problems that domain experts, people with specific knowledge of their customer, can find. This will give you some money, which will give you some time to figure out how your business can scale. And it'll give you some choices as to the type of business you actually want to run. The problem here is that this is rarely the way entrepreneurs think when they're starting a business. 
They think about startups the way our Thanksgiving friend thinks about them, as big, sweeping, massive changes in people's lives, as big products that'll cover lots of customers and lots of use cases. But big changes like making a family go from not having an operating system to having a thing they pay for monthly that is critical to their lives and I guess software takes time and trust and iteration. Things that are hard for entrepreneurs that don't have funding. This is where the founder chicken and egg comes in. I need money to build my thing. I need my thing to raise money. But again, if you do it right, that scenario is never going to come up. If you identify and productize the first step, the first hurdle your customer hits, the big blocker, you can monetize that and then move forward. A tough earned founder skill is what I call the zoom dial. To be motivated by a huge vision, but disciplined to zoom in on the small focused tactics that'll get you the momentum that'll get you the big thing later. Pitch the big thing to investors, to yourself, to teammates. Build the small thing. Zoom in, zoom out. Productizing the first step is the path. It's your secret weapon to actually practically building a startup. So let's get to it. Theory and process. We touched briefly on the idea of productizing the first step a few weeks back when we talked about wedges and a bunch of people reached out asking for more on the topic. It's one of the more powerful ideas we've worked with at Tacklebox. It's pretty straightforward. There are three steps. First, identify the customer you'd like to focus on to start. Second, map out their current process for solving the problem you're going to solve for them. And third, pick the painful first hurdle that's got a clear success outcome and build a product or service that solves it. At Tacklebox, we approach these three steps through the river and dams mental model. Your customer is on the river, cruising down towards some goal. In their way are dams, things they have to break through, things that hold them back from that ultimate goal or end state. Most entrepreneurs try to break down all the dams at once, right at the beginning. That is what our friend from Thanksgiving definitely was trying to do. They think that that's what a product does. That would be building out a full operating system for families on day one. Entrepreneurs think that that is innovation, but it's not. Innovation at the start is playing inside the boundaries of your customer's existing life. It's coaxing a change out of people that aren't going to move too far out of their normal behavior for one. That is what makes it so challenging. Customers will stay irrational far longer than you're ever going to be able to stay solvent, and customers will not change their behavior for you. So we need to meet them in their irrational river. This means you need to know enough about them to know their river and their dams like the back of your hand. The customer owns their problem and their experience, and you have no influence over it. This is a hard thing for a lot of entrepreneurs to accept. But once we do, we can pick a dam that's at the top of the river that's stopping your customer dead. And we can focus all of our energy on that moment. We learn everything about it, how the customer approaches it, how they feel, why they think they can get past it. And we help them break through it and continue moving on down the river. And again, that dam is something they identify, not us. Eventually, we'll productize that moment. We make breaking that dam into value we can deliver and sell. This brings up two great questions. First, what's the profile of a customer worth choosing? And second, what is the profile of a dam worth breaking? First, the customer. We can only work with customers that are aware of the problem and are already trying to solve it. If they aren't already in the river trying to break through the dams, they're going to be too much work. We won't last long enough to convince them to change. Second, we want customers that will talk to other customers once we solve this specific problem for them. There should be an obvious soundbite that travels. And third, this customer should be influential, 
meaning that once we break down a dam for them, other people will see them cruising down the river and wonder how they did it, and their behavior will be changed by the answer. These customers will do our marketing for us simply by being successful. Now, what are the characteristics of a good first dam? There are two that we focus on. First, there needs to be a clear, measurable outcome to breaking down the barrier. There needs to be serious progress down the river customers can talk about. And second, you've got to know something unique about that dam. You need specific knowledge or you need to gain specific knowledge. You need a unique perspective on solving it. Okay, to recap, because we're about to put this puppy into action. We productize the first step so that we can get momentum and get paying customers immediately, which will allow us to actually operate sustainably for a bit and not rely on outside help. This requires us to, A, know who a great initial customer would be, one that knows they have a problem, is trying to solve it already, talks to other people who have the problem about the problem, and are influential to other cohorts of people like them. And B, identify their first, most painful blocker and solve it for them. If we nail both of these things, we will have a business on our hands. We'll have options and knowledge and a real shot. And as we'll talk about in a second, you put on blinders that will allow you to make an incredible product. Here is a super simple example. A friend of mine is a brilliant writer. He's written movie scripts, written for big time shows on HBO and Netflix, and he's published 10 novels. In his spare time, he teaches writing to people who aren't yet professional writers, but aspire to be. He likes it and he wants to make it into a business. He wants to build out a full online program to teach these people how to find their voice and write. He pitched it to me. It's a full-on product with a bunch of modules he'd record teaching people how to write from idea to dialogue to pitching to agents. The product idea also had community and accountability. There were weekly prompts that people would use for inspiration and post their writing to a Discord where other people could respond. Everyone would also have an accountability buddy who they would meet with for 45 minutes each week. I told him that his solution was huge, but he said that to be successful, writers would need all of it. The lessons, the community, the practice, the feedback. He was breaking down so, so many dams. In a vacuum, the idea might sound interesting, but in light of what we just talked about, it seems massive. It doesn't fit at all into the River and Dams model. It's not meeting people where they already are. There is way too much cognitive overhead for customers, and it would take an enormous amount of investment to get going. He pitched it to a ton of people, tried to build parts of it, and got absolutely nowhere. So we got to work. We did a thought exercise of how he might productize the first step. And like most people we do this exercise with, he didn't know what the first step was for his customers. Or more accurately, they all had different steps. People who'd never written before needed to start writing or an accountability buddy or prompts. People who wrote a lot but wanted a book deal needed an agent or to learn how to self-publish. There were lots of first steps and lots of different customers. So he started doing some conversations with people looking for a good dam he had specific knowledge on. And pretty quickly, he found one. It turns out there are lots of journalists who want to write novels, and lots of them have ideas for these novels already. They've even often pitched these ideas to agents and publishers and usually gotten nowhere. What's their next step, he would ask, and they'd mumble something about maybe self-publishing. But what the hell did that entail, they'd say. Did they just get like a freelance editor? How did they know if people cared about their book? How did they book things like podcasts or interviews on radio shows or book signings? What were they supposed to do? 
Luckily, my friend has self-published eight books. He learned how to do it quite well. He even went to publishers, then went back to self-publishing because he made way more money that way. So that was the first dam, putting some parameters around self-publishing. It turned out the best product for this was a boot camp. It was two weeks long, and it was on everything you needed to know about self-publishing. At the end, you left with a full-on six-month plan and checklist to self-publish your own book. And it took off. It grew fast because the boot camp required a bunch of self-promotion, and these were journalists with tens of thousands of social media followers. They told them about it. Focusing on the first dam forces you to really know your customer, to make something tight they'd pay for, to really solve a problem. It lets you get into the details. Now my friend watches people navigate this first dam and he can choose what dam to tackle next, if any. He can choose how to further productize this first step, to build a funnel, to find customers and convert them, to make libraries of content so it's less reliant on him. There's customers, there's cash flow, there's momentum. Back to turkeys. The family operating system. When we went through the productize the first step flow with our family operating system founder, it became obvious quickly how unlikely a giant operating system for families actually was. We needed to pick a river and pick a dam, a customer and a specific problem. This person did some interviews with families and started realizing, not surprisingly, how different they all were. There were so many problems and discrepancies around logistics and relationships and goals. Choosing the customer they'd focus on, the river and the dam they'd attack, took a bunch of interviews and conversations, but eventually landed in a pretty interesting place. The customer was a family with three or more kids, all in middle school or high school. The core problem for the parents was the feeling that the kids were drifting. They didn't have the insight into their lives that they once enjoyed. They wanted to help, but they didn't really know how. The river they were on was getting them to a stronger, tighter family, and the first step was communication, really just knowing what the heck was going on in their kids' lives. As for the productized first step, the outcome was more communication, and the unique thing the founder brought to the scenario came from their PM days. Specifically, they'd used to run daily stand-ups with product and engineering teams, often remotely, for a decade. They'd manage teams that were communicating poorly. They'd manage teams that spoke different languages. Getting everyone on the same page fast was this founder's superpower. So their product was a daily family stand-up. Each morning, every kid and parent gave an update on their day. They answered three questions. What are you excited about? What are you dreading? And what are your blockers? What's keeping you from doing something you'd like to do? The stand-ups were required and there was a small tech product around them. Just like on previous teams, the PM had everyone sign a contract that said that they would do it. If someone was traveling, they did an async video and a text message. Parents loved it. They told their friends. They immediately felt more connected. Parents talk a ton about their kids. The customer was influential. And our 3 a.m. frantic email friend was able to lean into a moment to focus on the stand-up itself to be creative, to try things out. It wasn't overwhelming. It was manageable and allowed for tests, things like recording or to-do lists or diaries. And that is the secret hidden beauty of productizing the first step. It unleashes your creativity because you have the bandwidth to do that. You own this tiny thing and you can get into the details and the details are what create great products. Learning everything there is to know about that moment, in this case, the moment of bringing a family together for 15 minutes of sharing every morning and learning how to amplify that 
The best part about productizing the first step is that you usually never make it out of that stage. There's a great, sustainable, usually huge business in the first step of any meaningful problem. Nearly all entrepreneurs miss this because they're focused on the huge vision. The real value, though, is the small thing right in front of their nose. So how would you productize the first step of the idea you're going after? What's the first dam your customer hits that you can help them with? What would a customer pay to have you take off their hands that sits at the top of their funnel? Productize the first step, build momentum, expand if you need to, and have a fantastic Thanksgiving. This was the Idea to Startup podcast brought to you by Tacklebox. If you've got an idea you'd like to turn into a startup, we're doing 50% off for the program for the next couple of weeks. Apply at gettacklebox.com and use the promo code HOLIDAY to get 50% off your first month. We'll be figuring out how to productize your first step in 72 hours. Have a great week. 